Bidding farewell to, to the summer. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Celsius, which is forcing the locals to wander around Buenos Aires today in jackets and double-layered sweaters and scarves and jeans and stuff. It's getting cold in Buenos Aires. We've only got two days of summer left. Uh, welcome to 136, right? Hand of Pub 136. I'm Sam Kelly, and as we have been for the last two episodes now, this is getting regular, we are in uh, Peter Coe's living room. Peter Coe's is here with me. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome once more. Welcome, Peter Cuates. Um... <laughs> We're also joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, and thank you. And uh, the prodigal son has returned. Um, John Richards is back. It's great to be back, and just the level of professionalism has really taken me aback. So um, if you told me it was this professional, I would have come back weeks ago. I'm sure you would have done, John. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how's work been treating you? Good. Busy. Yeah, all good, though. Thank you. Listeners who are interested uh, can check the Hand of Pod Twitter feed, twitter.com slash Hand of Pod if you're not on Twitter. Um, for a link to a uh, short television piece that Joel did recently on, well, on Argentine clubs' finances, but using the uh, example of River Plate, I'm presuming because they were really easy to get to from your flat. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's very easy to get to physically. As it turns out, um, I mean, there was a decision, a reason for it, which is that River Plate had the, the biggest debt in Argentine football, so that was kind of the the main reason. It is just around the corner from home, but. Um, it turned out to be a very difficult piece to put together. Uh, River weren't the easiest of clubs to, to work with, so uh, it took quite some time, which is why I was saying there's, there's major continuity issues with the piece, but you know, this is all getting a bit yeah, technical. You had to have a haircut between times. No, 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 I did. It literally took like five weeks to put together between interviews, and so one of the, the first interviews I did had quite short hair, and I didn't have a haircut in that five weeks, and by the time it came to filming, I had a big barnet going on. And, um, but anyway, you know, these, are, these are the issues that we face. The, the perils of the international <laughs> proper journalism uh, that, that one of us is engaged in. Uh, whilst recording, we are also watching Independiente's Do or Die promotion clash, according to Andres. I think he might be just trying to wind Peter up a bit. Um, at home to Villa San Carlos. What was the score when they played in Villa San Carlos? It's not in Villa San Carlos, is it? I can't remember where they played. But um, the, the first leg score. I have to look it up. It's so long ago now. Oh, first time around, they've got a one 0 win away, so we're expecting a very comfortable victory indeed, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't think ever actually expect that. If, in fact, we're laughing at Independiente's downturn in form since the year, partly because it's very easy to laugh at. Um, but Misha San Carlos were actually only the second opponents that Independiente managed to win, uh, to to win, to beat, to beat against, to beat or to win against um, at the start of the season. They, of course had a similar run of uh, five games, first five matches, without victory um, at the beginning of the season. So, hmm, maybe it's just they're mirroring uh, their early season form. And they have just kicked off. So if you hear any uh, wild exclamations of delight from Peter, it'll be from that. At the same time as this one, Arsenal are playing away to Peñarol. 
in the Copa Libertadores. I think that one kicks off in oh, in about a minute, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, oh. We're not watching that one, so we won't be keeping up to date. But uh, not that you'll be up to date anyway, because this is going to be online until well after the match has been played, of course. Anyway, gents, we have only one round of matches to look back on, thank God, um, this week, as we do for the next couple of weeks, because there was no midweek football, at least domestically, last weekend. Any particularly eye-catching results over the weekend? Well, I guess the uh, classical. You're going for the classical? Okay. Well, I think. Um, there were several other catching the, the, the Classico is probably the, the, the sensible one to start with of course in La Plata where Franco Jara scored nine minutes in and later injured himself he's got a left hamstring twang or something I think twang is the medical term um, for a 1-0 win for Estudiantes obviously there were two red cards deep into stoppage time when the referee realised he hadn't sent anybody off yet and this is a La Plata City derby so you can't not do that um, one for each team uh, Jonathan Schunke, I think, for Estudiantes. No, Patricio Rodriguez yes. for Estudiantes and Facundo Pereira for Gimnasia. Did anybody actually catch this match? Because I missed stupid, one. Yeah, stupid. For for Patricio Rodriguez, it was stupid because he was. I think he injured, he suffered a, a, a foul from from someone from Gimnasia and and he ended up uh, being sent off. Which is, I, I, if you are a professional, you can't uh, uh, leave the the pitch if. He, when you suffered a, a foul, hmm. it's uh, it's something I can't understand. I am not a Piente supporter, but if I were, I would be f- furious with him because uh, you, independently of, of him, as a part of the team, if he's uh, in the starting lineup or not, or he, it's a, a player that you lose for one or two matches. I caught the very beginning of the game. Um, and was struck by how Hadda's goal was very similar to Funes Mori's goal in for Benfica B. Now, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Very similar, yeah. Because both Funes Mori and Franco Hadda are not really, um, for their respective clubs, haven't really been fans' favourites. And I was wondering, I think it's the only weekend that Franco Hadda and, and uh, Funes Mori have both scored. Franco Hadda. A very similar goal. Very nicely taken goal. Funes Mori actually scored four. But that's beside the point. Um, but right. Franco Jara is is a player who's, who's not. I mean, he's he's moved from a lot of clubs. He was he was uh, actually in Benfica as well, and um, never really. I mean, at San Lorenzo, they made a petition to get rid of him, um, and, and uh, he then scored in one of his last games of consolation and yeah. shushed the fans. A little, little bit cheeky, but it was a really nicely taken goal, nonetheless. Even if he did have to depart. Uh, were Estudiantes uh, deserved victors? As I say, I didn't catch any of this match at all. So. I, I was second half mostly, and uh, it was a classical, so you have to understand it that way. To, to uh, because Estudiantes in the second half was very, very in the in their in their side in their half, uh, and, and Gimnasia tried, of course, as uh, it usually happens in in Argentine football, trying to uh, fill the box with crosses, and and they couldn't connect anyone. Uh, Clearly enough to to put Rulli in, in, in problems. Gimnasia, if I remember rightly from looking at the stats, had 66% of the ball and only managed one shot on target. Does that sound right from watching it? Yes, that what you have said explains uh, that sometimes you get the ball but you don't get the chances. That is clear and, and that is that was a, a, a one example, clear example of a match where the, key, the the team that gets the goal uh, 
and very early goal, then the 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 the, the team that conceded the goal can't do anything to to turn around the result uh, because the the other team go, gets awaits them in their in their uh, in their uh, pitch and, and and then tries to to get the counter attack which Estudiantes I think didn't try even to no it's uh, Estudiantes are perfectly set up as well to grab an early goal and then just try and not concede for the rest of the game as well because yeah. it's what they've been doing as we mentioned last week they, they have difficulty scoring but uh, they don't concede very many either it was um, a very good goalkeeper. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and just very quickly, I want to say about Estudiantes because along with Vélez, they're starting to put out teams that are almost completely made up of youth team products, mm. which is quite interesting because it's um, it shows that I mean Estudiantes never get mentioned really about about the, the quality of the youth teams. That's because the um, football's awful. Well, there is that, but uh, but no, but you know, I think they I think they fielded eight or nine at the weekend, um, all youth team products. So um, you know, hats off there. Nothing to add about that. Yeah, quick plan. So I've got at least six in the starting lineup. Yeah, um, there were other matches as well, aside from the La Plata Clásico, and the most eye-catching uh, scoreline, at least, uh, that that uh, that I was uh, hinting at uh, a few minutes ago, was well, as Peter and I mentioned in the last episode, there were a couple of matches last weekend that you really wouldn't have recommended anybody to watch. One, obviously was Tigre v Godoy Cruz because you can't recommend that anyone should ever watch a Tigre match this year they're just you're not going to see anything happen um, and the other based on both sides current form and, and recent struggles in front of goal and so forth was All Boys versus River Plate River Plate finally managed to cut short a run of 20 matches without scoring more than once in the league uh, they scored twice uh, if they had gone 21 matches, they would have equaled, I believe, it's Kilmes' uh, short championship record, which was set in 1993. Um, so that indignity at least uh, escapes them. Um, and I thought really that they looked pretty solid for a, a very decent 2-1 away victory. Um, I did miss the first couple of minutes of the second half. I don't know <laughs> whether anything notable happened there. Yes, apparently it did. Uh, Agustin Torresa um, and Jonathan Caleri scored in about a minute and a half. Right, at the, I mean, literally right at the beginning of the, first, of the second half. The first, Tor- Torresa's was, what, 27 seconds or something, yeah. or 35 seconds into the second half. Um, so all boys ran out 3-2 winners. It was a bit confusing all round. Carlos Carbonero scored twice. Yes. That doesn't happen. Um, Gonzalo Espinosa scored a very good... Um, under the wall free kick to equalise after Carbonero's first goal for all boys yeah I think there's I think there's a problem with that because everyone's very excited about Barovedo and everyone's all the River Plate supporters have been saying that you know Barovedo selection that you should be called up by Savela um, I think that first goal it, it didn't go under the wall it went to the side of the wall and so mm. where was Barovedo I do wonder where Barovedo was, yeah, was positioned for that the same. I yeah. thought it he basically struck the ball exactly where the goalkeeper should be going. Should have been. Yeah, because he had the wall to the other side. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's exactly what I thought. Everyone was, they said, oh, Galazzo. Yeah, no. But really just because he hit the ball hard. Yeah, no, it was a good strike and everything, but as you said, I think that, no, it's good that um, it wasn't alone there. They're thinking that Baravela should have been better positioned, really, for for that one. Yeah, and the second goal was, uh, the header was in the very, in the small, small box. In six yard box. Yeah, the six yard box, sorry. sorry. And so he he could have uh, made a quicker movement to to get the ball or, or perhaps uh, clear it. And he couldn't do anything or or, or it was a failure. But uh, yes, two two first goals were I think more his responsibility than 
then defenders in for the case. But, yeah. but speaking of defenders' responsibilities, the third was definitely down to Eder Alvarez Blanda. I thought when they, he, he they, was stupid, they, they he fall, tried to dribble the ball out of defense. The, yeah. the fault that Manglio gave, gave to All Boys was discussed by River Plate supporters, and I, I am more. I likely don't uh, complain about referees because we all, we always and, and supporters mainly uh, forget about when the referee benefits you because uh, last match last Sunday uh, Lunati gave River a penalty which wasn't penalty yeah. so you have to to be more uh, like not to complain when the referee uh, gives the, the the rival something. A foul, which wasn't foul, because then they will benefit you. So it was like the 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 ball. There was some kind of balance, of balance there. Mm. It wasn't wasn't or not. River, I think, uh, wasted the match, which, which was perfect and, uh, until the twenty twentieth uh, minute, I think, because not only scored the goal, but uh, uh, they he, they also managed to to make the ball run. Uh, awesome because uh, mo apart from the goals that as you said 20 matches with uh, uh, not scoring more than one goal it was the the, 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 the kind of play that perhaps River was uh, uh, owing and, and in, in this match particularly it was like more clear the, how the ball was running especially Carbonero and Teo and and uh, about the, uh, I think that it was Ledesma that made a mistake that passed the ball to an Albos uh, player and then there was a foul by Alvarez Balanta, foul or not, by Alvarez Balanta and the free kick and well, that was like the decay uh, in the match. Uh, then Banjoni with this sent off with the very bad foul and well, they, River alone wasted the match that was building until the... Yeah, they weren't playing too badly to be honest and they were passing it around quite nicely but there are other things going on I mean there's obviously Kranavita the, the central midfielder that everyone believes should be first choice and and Ramon Diaz is, is opting not to, to play him and Kranavita brings also even a bit more um, passing and, and, and movement to the, to the centre of the park but, um, but you're right I mean Vangioni getting sent off and, and then just some poor, poor errors but um, it's the kind of I mean losing away to all boys is, is, you know, it's, it's historic really in terms of bad results yeah um, um, it's not the first time even this year either that River have started brightly and faded but they seem to have made a habit so far in the Donnell final of looking really impressive for the first 20 minutes or until they score the opener and then falling off um, I think they've taken the lead I would hazard to guess I'm not looking up statistically speaking but I would, I'd hazard to guess that they've taken the lead in the majority of the matches They've not won the majority of their matches. They've drawn. Uh, they've played eight. They've, they've won three, drawn two, and lost three. Um, so they're clearly making the making it hard for themselves to, to hang on to one 0 leads um, and, and to, to capitalise on them once they've gone. Um, one other point is that the defence, of course, was the one thing that was really reliable during the Torneo Inicial. Uh, the attack was awful, as it well. Maybe not awful now, at least they're scoring far more often than they've done. They've not gone for several matches without scoring at all. Um, but it's clearly not as good as it should be. But the defence, for some reason, seems to have 
fallen off majorly. This is the second time now in five games that they've conceded three because they lost three one away to Cologne as well. Yes. Um, and I don't. Well, no, they got hit for three once during the initial, didn't they? By Tigre, if I remember rightly, at home. Um, no, by Olimpo, sorry. Um, and now they've let in, yeah, twice in three matches. Uh, they, they've considered three, both in away matches. Um, but it still isn't great. Yeah, I don't think they've found the balance yet. I mean, their goal scoring hasn't really improved a great deal this season, but they, do, they certainly are committing more players forward than in the... Uh, Tony Arnes, yeah. So, that and they're dominating possession as well as, as Newell's um, have been, not, not quite as, as stylishly or as cavalierly as Newell's are, but they're racking up similar possession statistics mm-hmm. in almost every match. Um, Newell's have completed more passes than any other side in the league, but River are second and they're quite some way clear of the, the team in third. Um, obviously, passes are not everything, however, or at least so I've heard that they're not. Um, and River Plate are currently down in thirteenth. They are thirteenth in the table. It's a very congested table, though. Uh, they've got eleven points. The league leaders doesn't stop being weird to say this. Colón um, now joint league leaders because Estudiantes drew level with them after that one nil win over Gimnasia have fifteen points. So River are only four points off the lead with almost half the championship gone. Um, and part of the reason for that is that so many other sides have dropped points of course Colón dropped some at the weekend they were, well they didn't exactly drop some they, they might think about it as gaining one they got a nil-nil draw away to San Lorenzo um, from what I saw of it it was a, a decent a, a, I mean not, not a particularly entertaining match but a decent performance from Colón in terms of what they were setting out to get um, against the San Lorenzo side who, who clearly slightly uh, distracted by the Copa Libertadores at the moment obviously um, speaking of sides distracted by the Copa Libertadores, but it's Sarsfield, Peter, when we were recording last week's when we were recording last week's episode, uh, it was just before Vélez played the strongest in La Paz, wasn't it? We were discussing yeah, we were watching that. San Lorenzo play. That's right, yes, of course. And San Lorenzo actually, after we finished recording last week's episode, ended up uh, throwing that 1-0 lead away and drawing 1-1. Um, we were discussing the fact that Vélez Sarsfield were probably going to lose away to the strongest uh, because they were only putting out the kids. They were clearly just forfeiting that match in order to concentrate on the league at the weekend. They did lose to the strongest. They lost 2-0. Um, they got their revenge just last night by winning 2-0 in years with the first team uh, with two very late goals, uh, but a fully deserved victory. In between which, um, the idea of concentrating the uh, first team players on the league didn't exactly go to plan because they went to Rafaela and got smashed by Atletico. Um, it was 2-0 at half-time, it was 3-1 at full-time to Atletico de Rafaela. What happened? I mean, we know well, Rafaela are decent at home. But uh, yeah, they are. I mean, but, I, mean the, I don't remember which one it was, but the goal that, that came from just a hoofed ball up the left wing and that Fabian Cubero just completely missed. This is a guy who's, who's been at the... I mean, he's been a great servant for Vélez, but over 300 games for Vélez and what have you. I mean, he just completely missed the ball. I mean, that's either fatigue or lack of concentration. It's not that he's a bad player at all, but I mean, it's just a massive mistake. I think mistake. actually Cubero was at fault for the opening too. That was the first, yeah. Because right. the first one he just air kicked. That's right. And then uh, I think Diego Vera crossed, just played it across for Albert to. That's right, yeah, that, that's one, yeah, yeah. And then the second one, it was his missed header, which that's allowed right. the ball just to run straight through for Diego Vera to, to score the second. Mm-hmm. So he was actually at fault for the opening two goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, that went obviously some way to explain it. 
awful result. Yeah. Because, I mean, two glaring individual errors. Uh, it leaves Venice still only two points behind the joint leaders. They're on 13. I'd like Rafael to climb up to 12. We've got a title race of anywhere down to, I mean, almost literally anywhere down to River Red. It's like 13 clubs on it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, even Gimnasia, well, Gimnasia, Tigre, Central and Argentinos are only two further behind River. Um, they are six behind Cologne, so they're possibly a little Bil- bit too Bilis- far adrift. Bilis has nine points. Venice have no Venice have thirteen points. Thirteen points. Yes, Gimnasia Tigre Central well, and Argentinos are on that. That 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 means that they can uh, take care of Copa Libertadores and not so much of of the torneo final than uh, that. It's 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 enough because uh, you perhaps get torneo f- uh, final. You say, well, no, I will I will pay more attention to the Copa Libertadores. Anyway, they are there. They are. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So uh, and losing a, a, a very hard match against Rafaela, which uh, in Santa Fe is also a very good team, and and uh, uh, they they well uh, it, they are they are pro- proving that match after match. And Belis is like they can, I, I know how to say, it, but they can give away points, uh, and they will still be near the to the to the leaders because. Uh, as you said, Colón draw drew against uh, San Lorenzo. Anyway, they are they are looking forward to, of course, saving from relegation. And of course, that's that's part of the reason they're dropping points, right? Because yes. they're not. We have a league leader who aren't actually concentrating on winning the title at all. They're they're, they're concentrating on not losing matches more than they are trying to yes. win. And it doesn't help that, of course, the teams chasing them um, and drawing almost as many as well. Um, but it's it's uh, one of these bizarre situations that the Argentine League puts you in. Speaking of Colón's predicament, they are petitioning the AFA, and, or, or rather they're petitioning FIFA, Julio Grandone is petitioning FIFA on behalf of Colón um, to try and get the six points returned that they were deducted in November now that the transfer has been paid. Atlante um, in Mexico apparently have said that they have no problem with this now, it's all above board. There's been a delay due to the transfer of dollars out of the country, of course, which is always complicated in Argentina. Um, but Atlante say that uh, they've been made aware of the situation and they don't have any problem with it now that they're, now they're being paid. But if Colón so isn't, isn't, isn't that slightly ridiculous? It, it, it completely negates the punishment, doesn't it? Well, exactly. Surely you get, exactly, you get punished, punished for the crime, which is not paying. The late payment. Exactly, so, so that's done and dusted, and then you've still got the debt. So the fact that you've paid that debt is kind of neither, neither here nor there, right? Mm. Well, and also... Of course, I don't they only ever, I assume, cared about getting their money. Yeah, so yes. they're not going to kick up a fuss about Cologne being six points worse. I mean, they're going to say we don't really care. It's, it's creative they, they accounting do, gone crazy. If they do I mean, kick up a fuss and then they and then they look and they send scouts down here and they think, you know what, we'd like to buy Gabriel Graziani. And they've been the ones kicking, no, you're going to go, no, 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 you have to send them to the second division. It's, nah, it's like Cologne like, don't want to do business with them quite as much as with another It's like me cro- crossing a red light. Uh, paying the fine and then saying, "Well, I paid it, so give me the." the <laughs> no, it's it's you pay the fine because you you. Yeah, it's really crazy, and, but they fair play to them though. I mean, it's it's audacious, and if it comes off, then they're laughing, right? Yeah. So nothing to lose. They haven't got the points, so I guess that's that must be their 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 way of thinking. And the points were were uh, were quit in the last tournament. Now. They should be six points away from San Lorenzo, from Estudiantes, so 21 points, because they paid the, 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 
They beat Bradford, didn't they? Oh, I think they right, were so, so, to so, go back onto the relegation table. So I wouldn't have thought they would have had yeah. six points to the Donnell final. <laughs> that, that where would that leave them, though? In the, in the relegation table, where would well, that, what well, would that do? Out, As it is at the moment, they're not in the relegation places. They are, I think, six spots. They're, 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 they're there, right? They're, 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 they're in the battle, but at the moment, the bottom... Three. I guess actually as, as well though, because it's a three year thing I mean I guess this has major repercussions for the next um, well, several yeah, several yeah, tournaments yeah, yeah. so um, I mean right now, hats bottom, off to them I think it's brilliant the bottom three right go, now go Argentinos Quilmes and Godoy Cruz Quilmes of course only got two seasons on the table um, they're in the middle Argentinos have 120 Quilmes 77 from 65 games uh, Godoy Cruz have 123 and Colón are one place above Godoy Cruz at the moment and four points ahead of them so right. if Colón were to have those six right. points put back on, they'd be ten clear of Love. the relegation side. Um, essentially, that, that would be it for them. And they'd be on 42 so far for this season. The season that's causing them the trouble at present is the season that's going to be knocked off the standings. Mm. Um, at the end of this season, it's 2011-2012, and they've got 38 points, because last season they got 49. This season, so far, they've got 36 with the deduction. So right. Right. I think it's safe to say they, they'd be absolutely fine. I think it's fair enough. I mean, I think it's outrageous if they get the points, but I mean, if you can, if you can wangle something like that, then why not, right? Mm, absolutely. If if you can hear any background noises, listeners, they seem to come through on my headphones a lot more loudly than they actually do when I'm editing it later. But we apologise. It's uh, Peter lives in a building where the walls are made of pure sugar paper. Uh, it's quite wonderful. Anyway, other results from the weekend. Uh, we've already mentioned, of course, we don't really need to tell you that Tigre drew nil-nil we just need to identify their opponents they were Godoy Cruz this week nothing happened I remember sorry remember a tweet from Peter saying that Tigre scored two goals and conceded another two in eight matches is that right? yes yeah that's all they they've lost one nil they've won one nil and they've drew one of their games one one and all of the others have been goalless wow it's It's good um, yeah there was an interesting editorial uh, by Alejandro Fabri and he was talking about the, the goals average and the, it was I, I don't know if they reached the record I saw it on Friday so it was, it was basically saying that Argentina is very close to, to getting an average of under two goals per game which would be like a world record they were comparing the highest scoring leagues and everything I mean it, it was kind of lots of coefficients lots of numbers and all the rest of it but bottom line is that not many goals being scored and it's like a historic low this season um, Tigre, obviously the main culprits. Mm. So we want them out. Yeah, basically. absolutely. Bizarre, because I remember when Tigre first came up uh, in 2007, I think it would have been, the Apertura 2007, they played some fantastic stuff, they smashed a couple of big teams, they qualified for the Copa Libertadores in the first six months, they almost won the title in, well, 18 months later, they were in their triangular playoff with Boca and San Lorenzo. Diego Caña was the next great manager. Yeah. yeah. And look how far they've fallen now. Caña and Arroa Barrena, two, two coaches that were at Tigre, and, uh, but I, I heard, I, I, I didn't watch the match, but I, I heard that uh, particularly in that match, Tigre uh, Javier Garcia and uh, Carranza were men of the match. Yeah, uh, so Garcia made something like five saves. In fact, this is something that Peter mentioned last mm-hmm. week. Okay. It's one of the things I wanted to bring up with you, Joel, because I remember you mentioning last, last year <laughs> I was a huge fan of Javier Garcia as a goalkeeper. He, he is work. my favourite. What's happened to him so far this year? He's amazing all of a sudden. Well, you know, he's a talented player. He's, he's standing out in, in a league which isn't exactly short of goalkeeping talent as well. We've got some, some very decent goalkeepers, if nothing else, in the Argentine league. Um, 
Garcia saved a penalty against Rosario Central during the 1 1 draw. Luck. He's now been man of the match. Pen- pen- penalty saving is, is either scientifically based, they, they've worked out where the striker's going to put it and they go the right way, or it's luck. So okay. I'm, not, I'm not having that one. Next. I'm not not backing down on this Javi Garcia business I'm sorry just his general performances I I agree it's it's baffling because we know he's rubbish no no he he strikes me as a player who uh, happened to Monson at Huracan the the keeper under Kappa was a great keeper then after when Huracan lost that final with Vélez just completely went to bits Uh, Javi Garcia had had the nightmare with against Tigre as it happens for uh, Boca Mm. subbed off one of the only times I've ever seen a goalkeeper being subbed off for, because of tactics. Um, and, and he's just a player that has seemed very nervous and, and just not, not completely comfortable sort of uh, behind uh, in, in goal, which obviously isn't what you want. And is prone to errors. But, I mean, he's having a good season. Fair play to him. It's good for him. But, um, yeah. but I mean, he, does, he is prone to a howler. Absolutely. Uh, we're not denying that for a second. Uh, Saturday saw three matches with three draws in total because as well as Tigre and Godoy Cruz and San Lorenzo and Colón which we've already mentioned both finished goalless there was also a 1-1 between Belgrano de Cordoba and Olimpo de Bahia Blanca Club Olympus of the White Bay um, who <laughs> took the lead uh, quite late on in fact through David Vega and Ezequiel Maggiolo uh, got an even later equaliser with, with five minutes to go for Belgrano popping up at the back post with the header if I remember correctly yeah. it was a header was I remember the back post bit anyway um, another game as well where Belgrano went behind and uh, yes yet again <laughs> so, so the key if you're a Belgrano fan is just hope like hell that you concede first because when Belgrano concede first it doesn't seem to matter how late either even if you concede in the 78th minute you'll still avoid defeat and the one match in which they've scored first was against Vélez Southfield when they ended up losing 3-1 3-1 3-2 they ended up losing anyway Um, so yes Belgrano clearly far better at at fighting back than what was I going to say than than maintaining a lead which which is promising for them for when they play River isn't it I I think Belgrano uh, also waited a very good chance to to be close to the the top because uh, for me it was like Alejandro Fabri, who Joel mentioned, one one of the candidates, serious candidates to get the title, taking into, taking into account the teams that uh, participate in the Copa Libertadores and the irregular tournament and the and the lack of of, of, of and the, the small uh, points uh, which the the champion perhaps uh, the champions get very small amount of points and. Uh, uh, I think, that especially when they defeat Boca, I think I thought they were they will be serious candidates to the to claim the title. And uh, 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 drawing against Olimpo, I think that they that this puts that puts them a bit uh, down from that uh, uh, expectation to to get the title. But we will see. Uh, it's a good team, but I thought that in this case they were serious candidates because of the. A group and the and the and Zielinski with the uh, ca- being capable capable of, of making a good team from not that good players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is um quick question is is Zielinski, is he the longest serving coach now? I think I think yes. so. Yes, yeah, he is, isn't he? He no, must be right. Now the yeah, now that now that the Ferguson of um, Liniers has left. Yeah, he must be Zielinski. He he found the team the club where he could. Display all, the, all, all of his uh, 
his capacities because uh, uh, I, I think that the, when he was at, at Chacarita he couldn't do such a good work and, and now here comes yes, yes, yes. and now he's I think he's really doing really good and, yeah. and, and, and of, of course the board of the of the of the club are uh, are, are letting him work say any coach should should work and it's relatively pressure free as well I mean they're, they're on the verge of qualifying for the Copa Sudamericana for a second successive season which would be fantastic for um, for Belgrano for any uh, club from outside that metropolitan corridor that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago of Buenos Aires to Rosario and, um, and the, the way, there is a detail sorry there is a detail which puts really where Belgrano is that is that, uh, for example, a Francino, Facunda Francino, for a former River Plate uh, offensive mid- midfielder, doesn't play uh, in the starting lineup. For, yeah, he's at Belgrano, and he went uh, into the match uh, uh, for 20 or 15 or 20 minutes to go, and that proves something, which is, oh, uh, any, any team that is from the provinces, or, well, it's not a, a big, 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 big team, could say, well, uh, bring us a Francino or, or whatever yeah. a, a player from a big team and we will put him straight away in the from the first minute and, mm-hmm. and that is something that Cielinski doesn't do yeah former River and Boca yes. players can't just rock up to provincial clubs anymore yes. and be the Billy Big Balls of the situation and yes. I'm, I'm the man um, as they would have expected to even maybe 10 years ago but certainly 20-30 years ago um, bizarrely when Belgrano played Tigre it's not going to happen until a few weeks before the end of the season but if it happened this weekend Mystic Sam would know exactly what result to predict it would be a draw uh, Belgrano so far have won two drawn five and lost one Tigre have won one drawn six and lost one um, but the goals for and against Columns could not be more different Tigre as we've mentioned already have scored two and conceded two Belgrano have scored 13 and conceded 13 <laughs> Two entirely different ways of getting loads of draws and ending up with a goal difference of zero. Uh, there are only two points apart in the table. I'd certainly rather watch a Belgrano match. Oh, God. Yeah. Watching Tigre is just painful. <laughs> Unless you're Rob Brown. He seems to appreciate it. Um, but we'll try and get him back on before he leaves to explain exactly why. On Saturday, we've mentioned the La Plata Classico already. We had a 1-1... Pardon me, that was just me clicking my knuckle slightly more loudly than I was expected. We had a 1-1 draw between Arsenal and Rosario Central. Uh, we had a... Uh, we mentioned the Old Boys River game already, and the other two matches were quite amusing for differing reasons. First of all, Racing going to Rosario, losing pitifully yet again, just being completely played off the park by Newells. Um, lost 2-0, could have been far more... And yet, immediately after the match, a few people were going, yeah, that wasn't bad from Racing, that was the best they've played in a while. Um, Racing now have four points still from eight matches. They've got one, one, uh, they've won one, drawn one, and lost six. Um, what plus point could they take out of it? Apart from the fact that they're the first, t- uh, the first team in a fair few weeks to play away at Newell's and not let in four goals. That. Yeah. <laughs> and what's going on with Newell's exactly? Because yet again, they played really well at home, and yet whenever they play away, they seem to freeze up. Likewise, that's that's it. 
bore away from bore away form, but I mean, um, as you said at home, they've been really impressive. And, and as we were speaking about just earlier, I mean, they had a 16 year old scoring and then they had a 34 year old. Six, isn't it? 36 year old. 20 year difference. Yeah. 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 I, I tweeted this during the match and somebody tweeted me back. David Tresseguet won the World Cup with France when Ezekiel Ponce was 15 months old. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. It is quite something. I also discovered that David Tresseguet, as we know, of course, uh, played for two seasons for Platense um, and then moved to Monaco via a trial with Paris Saint-Germain. Um, he didn't ever score a goal for Platense's first team and he took him two and a half seasons to score his first goal for Monaco as well. So although Tresseguet made his debut when he was about the age that Ponce is now, he didn't actually score his first um, professional goal until he was 20-ish. Which is quite something, isn't it? Um, his goals, and then when he did, he finished joint top scorer of, of league on that season and got a call. His goal was brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, beautifully taken. Thirty-five plus yard, the most untypical Trezeguet goal. Actually, that's that's a lie because he hit it first time. He didn't control it, so it's got that going for it. But but otherwise, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't think I've seen any goals like that from. Again, poor poor positioning really from the keeper, I guess, but. Well off his line because it wasn't that far, that high over the keeper either. It was yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. there or thereabouts. But, um, but still, Rossi has no midfield and no defense. No defense. It's very difficult for a goalkeeper to be constantly in a good position because he has to constantly like be like a, a, fi- a fireman, like a, <laughs> <to see laughs> a sweeper keeper. Yes, only without any defense to sweep up behind. He's just going to try and do something behind the attack, which there's not very much of either. Um, because one of the things was it you Andres so I saw mentioned during the Racing game that Depal turned out to be a bit of a mentira all along I saw somebody tweeting I I told all of you Racing fans that Depal was going to be crap and look at him doesn't help when he's playing in that team of course but but I I heard some uh, specialised or well journalist that covers specifically Racing and he said that Depal was one of the uh, uh, few players that were Sad when he that he uh, saw him saw him with a not a good face when they lost against News and mm. the other players were like, well it's 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 this is it we lost like that and and he was like, oh, well we lost with a very he was like suffering really yeah, uh, but I, I think well, that I think that journalists can expect to see that face a few more times. This season, yes, and, and Camp is one that perhaps Marlo uh, is insisting on him, and, and he proved he's not at the, uh, I think, prepared for to be in, in, in first division. Yeah, uh, and he should uh, uh, he should be replaced not because he he's doing uh, not doing good, but but to to protect him because he's clearly being uh, lost in the midfield. Mm. So. Um. He's not here this week, but English Dan uh, wrote a good piece just the other day on the bubble um, about, uh, well, mostly about Mostasa Merino, but also about Ramon Diaz and Carlos Bianchi, who we're going to get on to in a second at Boca, and why they're uh, to varying degrees failing in their current clubs. That's the bubble, uh, no, it's not, it's bubblear.com. if you want to have a read of it, I highly recommend it, not only because I'm senior to him in the sports section and we want to get as many hits as we can, um, <laughs> but also because it's very good. I like you threw that you're senior to him first. 
the other match that took place on Sunday. Now, there are weeks when uh, Mystic Sal just can't, doesn't have any luck at all in, uh, in, in the predictions. <laughs> there are weeks. There, yeah. there are weeks. When there are seasons. There are weeks when it's a relief to finally get, find that the last match of the whole weekend has gone right, so at least I've salvaged one or two correct predictions. Uh, this week, at one point, it looked like I was going to be on course for six, potentially. I've ended up with four, so I'm reasonably happy with that, coming after a couple of weeks of, uh, I think, a couple of fives in a row as well. Um, it would have been five, had Boca Juniors done what Mystic Sam predicted they were going to do. But with some matches, it just happens in such a wonderfully entertaining manner that you don't care about being wrong, especially when it happens to Boca. Um, Boca were 1-0 up for, well, most of the match against Argentinos Juniors. Emmanuel Gigliotti put them ahead, uh, gave them a deserved lead at the end of the first half. It wasn't a very good first half for me, the side, but they were clearly the better team, which is not saying very much, bearing in mind they're playing Argentinos Juniors. Um, a deserved lead, but a bit of a gift. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and then three minutes from the end, it had to be Leonardo, Leonardo Pisculici, because he's the only player who scores for Argentinos. Can anyone else hear that? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a <right>. common thing. <laughs> it takes me back to the days of recording in, in English dance with the, with the dogs. Um, Piscolucci is the only player who scores for Argentinos, and when, when it's not him, he set one goal up and he yeah. scored the other four so far this season. Um, he hit the only shot on target that Argentinos managed all game, and it absolutely rocketed into the top corner. It was a fantastic finish, and Argentinos came away from La Bombonera with a fully undeserved 1-1 draw. Uh, nonetheless, a, a match that, in which Boca fully deserved to throw away those two points because they played so absolutely dreadfully in the second half, particularly some of the substitutions, which is one of the reasons that Bianchi has, has once again come into, uh, come into some heat. Um, Leandro Marin sent off Renan Grana at half-time. I think that was due to injury. Uh, I've just started to panic there because I've realised I forgot to mention Marin uh, Grana's injury in my preview, so I'm going to have to update that when I get home. Um, but then we had uh, Diego Rivero coming on for, uh, sorry, Marine's injury, because I'm getting these mixed up. Diego Rivero coming on for Luciano Acosta, which basically took all of the pace out of Boca's attack, because we know Juan Romano Riquelme hasn't got any, because he need knees to be able to run. Um, and then Cristiano Erebus replacing Claudio Riano at the end. These were changes that, that Boca fans didn't seem very happy about, and it's not difficult to see why. The one they're up there at home, they've got a strong home record, as we mentioned last week, even though they're you know, supposedly in crisis. They'd won three of their previous four matches, uh, two of two uh, at home, um, and yet they still continue to stagger and to look to look like a side who aren't interested in joining the race. They've got 11 points. They're 11 on points with, with River, so if River who we mentioned that, you know, partly it's, it's uh, an indictment of the teams at the top, the River is still in the title race, so Boca. The problem is that someone say, some people say that uh, the, the change uh, that uh, made Rivero go, go into the, the field, uh, replacing Acosta when there were 30 minutes still uh, to play, they, someone, some people say that that was the, the reason why Argentinos drew the game and I think that's that's not true. Uh, uh, that there is something about the system or, or the way that the team plays that it doesn't uh, uh, let Bianchi get what used to get in the previous uh, phases uh, when he was the coach of of Boca, mm -hmm. which is that when 
it was commonly said that when Boca scored the goal, the the rival didn't couldn't get the equalizer. And in this case, you you think and Bianchi also thought that sooner or later the the the, the, the contrary in this case Argentinos could get the draw. Mm. And that was that's what what happened. So that's why he changed and made a defensive change to get to 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 cons to preserve that that precious goal that was like gold to uh, in order to well get a win that would uh, would uh, put them there very very near to to Colonia and Estudiantes. And there w there was a detail that I, re I read that when. The play started. Argentinos play started that finished with the goal of Leandro, Leonardo Pisculici. He was he uh, kind of turned round and and he was like imagining that that was that would end in, in in a goal. Oh yeah. Yes. So oh. well, if you if you think like that, uh, well, you are lost. If your players see you yes. thinking like that, it doesn't help either. Uh, anybody have anything to add? No. Does anyone have any thoughts on Claudio Borgia and Argentinos? Because they're rubbish. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I, Borgia I, won the title with Argentinos. Yeah, but he had Ortigosa. And Mercia. Well, and Mercia, but really Ortigosa. I mean, that is, you know, if, you, if you've got Ortigosa on the team, then you've got to be challenging. Yeah. Everyone loves Borgia. He's great, he's great value, but I mean, he's just struggling, isn't he? I worry for them this time around because they just look awful and like you said the statistic of Pisco being so reliant on Piscolici is yeah. is again mm. a, a worrying sign uh, there's only one match left to uh, mention from the weekend it's on Monday night when Lanús were made to wait they had to be very patient but they managed a 1-0 win over Quilmes through Jorge Pereira Diaz um, with 17 minutes left uh, scoring the only goal Ricardo Caruso Lombardi came away afterwards saying I always lose in this stadium um, maybe next time I should ask them to make the goals smaller or possibly just take them away that's my best chance of getting a draw uh, much of uh, as, as we'd all agree that Caruso Lombardi is a wanker um, it, it's difficult not to laugh when he makes a statement like that because he's perhaps right it was um, Gilles didn't show any kind of ambition to go out and get anything more than that draw though and uh, as a result, it was quite nice to see them lose, particularly because they managed by Caruso Lombardi. Yes, he he, he curses bad luck, uh, basically, and and he he told he couldn't sleep after the defeat against Lanús, uh, trying to make players to be more like uh, enthusiastic and and try to 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 get things done and and well, but. Uh, uh, Sometimes when you don't look for something, you don't get it, and they are they, they they they, it's like they go straight to to get the the the, the, the point, the, the 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 draw, and well, they, uh, you have to do that when you are like Colón, for example, mm. which against San Lorenzo they they have had a plan and they did it uh, as their way as as they could, but they did it, and and they even could have scored with a. A play that uh, I think Videla uh, uh, took the ball and, and passed it to Graziani, which who was uh, right in front of Torrico and couldn't score. So in that case, even they could they, they could even have uh, got a, a victory. But Kilmes is like throwing the ball away and that's it. Uh, so it's very difficult that way. Indeed. Um, 
having mentioned all of these matches now, we're going to go away. Before we do, Joel, you mentioned you had a, your main motivation for coming on again was that you had a bit of a rant to unleash. Do you want to do that now or after the music? Um, is there part two? There is a part two, yeah. I'll, I'll recharge and then um, let rip, if that's all right. We're now going to refill our glasses and we should be back in one second. Don't go anywhere. It is, yeah, and I mean, it would be great to have Luis on the phone, but um, as he's not, hopefully I should end up winning this argument. But that's not the, we're, not the we're idea. We're aware, by the way, how many of our listeners are called Luis, so to clarify, this is Luis Bessane, who, who frequently tweets in questions. And yeah, and I wouldn't do this otherwise, but I guess what happened here was there was a, a, a debate or an argument, no, it wasn't an argument, it was a debate, but um, I'm sure Luis represents what quite a few people think about this, which I just thought was quite interesting, but... Um, Ultimately flawed. So, um, <laughs> before the All Boys game, Matthias Batanian, who's vice president at River Plate, said that River and Boca have plans to do something together, as in a tour, um, after yeah. after the tournament. So I just said, you know, this is what's happening. Probably means a Super Clasico in either Mexico or Madrid or, or Spain. Or I saw something else this afternoon, which we'll mention when well, you're exactly. talking. Yeah. So, as it's as it's happened, they're doing a they're playing a tournament in Chile. And they're playing a Super Classico in Cancun. Oh, we'll mention it right now. We'll do it right now. But, 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 but this is what it was about, though, because basically I said, you know, they're probably going to do a tour, probably a couple of Super Classicos, but ultimately it's because their only alternative is to do Super Classicos here in Argentina, which brings in no money. So it makes sense, you know, blah, blah, blah. Luis, and as I said, I'm sure many other people think that, um, that the Classico. But I mean, he used, I mean, no, no mincing his words, he said, uh, whoring out the Super Classico, <laughs> which, uh, but he was, he was quite upset about it, though, and he was saying that it was, it was first of all, um, really cutting away the essence of the Super Classico, and it's becoming too too commercial, too much of a marketing campaign, Luis and, is a and then star. also, a River or a Bocca well, um, that could be part of it, but also he was saying, um, he was talking about sort of the, the violent aspect of it, saying, you know, other clubs don't take their, their hate fest his words, not mine, um, to other countries. And I just thought it was a really interesting idea that, um, which I, again, I, I assume lots of other people think this as well, that clubs shouldn't be, Argentine clubs shouldn't go and do tours abroad. And, and the, the fact is that it's something they absolutely have to do. It's something that all the big clubs around the world do. Man City have got a friendly set up for a week after the World Cup in, in the States. So the point is, you know, for... The tournament in Chile is going to bring in $700,000 for both River and for Boca. It's a hell of a lot of money. That If they went and played a, a, a Super Classico in Chaco, as they do, it doesn't bring in anywhere near that kind of... 500000 Exactly, exactly. But I just thought it was funny, just a strange sort of um, idea that the Argentine clubs you know, would sort of keep it real and not, not set up these friendlies abroad. And, and the reality is that if you don't, and you're just way behind the, the, the rest of the pack... And, and also, not having that source of income is part of the problem for Argentine football. They don't have the money to, to invest in the stadiums, the stadiums are unsafe, they don't have 
they can't hold on to players, so they all they have to sell them, and, and you know um, the quality dips as a, as a result, and and also but strengthening the the brand. And then the other side of this is to, to do with the brand that this is all BBVA, the bank who's, who sponsors both River and Boca. They're set, they're sorting out the the Cancun Super Classico, so it's as much like a sponsorship and marketing deal as it is the clubs. But um, I just as I said, I was quite surprised that anyone would be would be surprised. I was surprised that they'd be surprised. That, the, that River and Bock would be doing this. It's astonishing that it's taken this long for the two of them to get their act together and do this as well. Take it, take the game to somewhere like Mexico, where there's more money going around, people spend more, and and everyone's a winner. But um, Luis was quite upset about this, so I'd be interested to hear his uh, his reply. But um, it's slightly unfair that he's not here to argue his case. But as I said, that was his. Uh, I think that was his main. Argument. I think I suppose one aspect, if I can try and perhaps argue uh, Luis's case for him. I've no idea what it is, of course, but uh, if I can put something in, in contract... As it you were, mentioned it, the soul, the soul of the games being... Well, you, you mentioned this Man City killed. friendly a week after the World mm. Cup. I, I've not seen anything about it, but I'm assuming that it's not against Man United. Um, if you see what I mean. Like, it's going to be... They can go on tour, but they're not playing their no, major rivals in a Canadian's match. In the, but pre-season, of course that's something that, the Premiership teams do do and set up those little tournaments where mm. Arsenal... Or well, they usually play in staining and do their own little thing, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, last season in the states, I think Man Chelsea City played. I think Chelsea played Man United. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was intentional, by the way, Peter, but that sounded wonderfully patronising to Arsenal. It's true that they organise the Emirates Cup, and so they they, they host it. They don't choose to stay, and they're their hosts. Yeah, exactly. Whereas you're right, it was no. Chelsea and I think and Manchester City yeah. or United or whoever did actually play each other in the states. So. And of course, Man United play will play Chelsea, or whatever. What I mean is they they don't play their main derby rivals in any of these matches. Yeah, but this is this is another point, which which they, is. Which is true. They might do in the next couple of years if United pick the game up again. And, it's and, true, uh, but but the point is that Argentine football and clubs aren't of British clubs uh, or La Liga clubs, so they're not strong enough. And this is the thing that River and Boca need each other, and it's only really yeah. that together they're strong enough. Of course, Boca have lots of fans around the world. Of course, River Plate do as well. But if you take the two of them, it really well, attracts commercial purposes. If you you should make exactly. something yes to like a package. Like exactly. Because can you imagine River Plate playing Chelsea? I mean, it'd be double figures. And same for Boca. Yeah. I mean it, although Boca did reasonably well at the Emirates Cup not so long ago, but that was with Falcioni, so slightly stronger side, uh, some might say. But uh, but no really they have to go together, the two of them, because mm. that, that way it's strengthening the brand. Yeah. So I and just, I just I, the as point well. is here, I don't think there's an alternative. And yeah. so the like, idea of both of them playing in a friendly isn't as alien to Argentine football culture as it is to to an extent England and uh, I, now that we're mentioning this I remember a few months ago there was an interview with I think one of Barcelona's players it might have been Gerard Pique saying can you imagine us playing Madrid in a pre-season friendly mm. of course I mean they play Madrid in most of the Supercopa Espanol which as far as I'm concerned is a pre-season friendly but it, it's not you know officially it, 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 it means more and it's true that you can't really imagine Barca versus Madrid in a pre-season friendly you can't imagine uh, whatever you bet against what well, but again, but, but that's because how many people outside Argentina, how many sports really can can name the River Plate eleven or the Boca eleven, whereas everyone can can name a, a Real Madrid or Barcelona eleven, Man United eleven, whatever, and that that's the difference. So I mean, while you're right, no, but like, sorry, Joel. I, 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 actually, I was trying to agree because what I was saying was that it. Um, 
as well as that, it's also just something that's more accepted in Argentina than these two do play friendlies yeah. because they play five friendlies a year anyway. They only play two official matches a year. Yeah. They play a couple in the winter sometimes and at least two or three in the summer. Um, so taking one of them abroad, well, it's not really that much difference, is it? And no, as you said, it brings, in, it brings in more money. I think the reaction is purely... Like the traditionalist, probably the first yeah. English team that went to play an overseas friendly, people said, "Ah, oh, you know, they're just doing this for commercial benefit. This is not what it should be about." Well, well that was like, Plymouth Argyle going around Brazil in nineteen oh three or something. Probably it? not then, but you know, what I mean, like when when I'm sure people did say exactly that when it happened as well. But when, we're talking about when basically it, everyone was just trying to get it. Well, especially especially the Asian market, right? Which is where you know there aren't strong. Sides in, in Malaysia and China, but nonetheless, you know, Man United, Barcelona, Madrid—they all go over there for for this reason, which is it's purely marketing rather than a. I don't know whether Plymouth's tour of Brazil was a marketing plan. I'm not sure, Sam. I doubt it. I'd, I'd be surprised. Yeah, European European clubs. It's like they use their 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 the clubs as as brands. Like they are with brands for for a non non Europe crowd and non-European crowd so in this case you they will have to invent something I, I, I think marketing actions in order to uh, because they, they are they are not selling any players abroad so they have mm. to yeah, exactly. uh, some somehow uh, control I don't know how to how to say I, it. I, I think more than that generate in terms of selling a brand around the world I don't think there are many European clubs even who there, there are a few but there are not very many who do it on as good a level as Boca have done over the last decade. Obviously, Boca's success was helped enormously by the fact that just at that point, where it was first becoming a global thing, where you could get internet street and stuff at matches, was when Boca were dominating the Libertadores. Um, but Boca have always been very good at selling their brand abroad. Um, that was Macri. Yes. That did that. Yeah, 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 yeah precisely. Did, yeah, yeah. Um, River now sort of starting to come into it I think more than anything though is the fact that they need to be earning uh, as, as Joel and as I sort of chipped in to mention whilst Joel was talking um, they need to be earning money outside Argentina because earning in pesos is not going to help them at all mm. particularly when River's debt is in how much is it? You, Four, you know. it's, over, it's over 400 million pesos the other thing that for River Plate is that they, they were saying cause, because there's the, the social model of clubs here River Plate's the one that really has more social activity in terms of um, you know, sports and cultural activities, River has more than any other club. Just to open their doors uh, per month, it costs them 12 million pesos, which is over a million dollars. So that, that kind of income just doesn't yeah. come from any other source other that's, than players. And to clarify, that's over a million dollars at the black market rate. On the, black, you know, on the, the yeah. official rate, it's almost two million. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, transfer market's dried up, so that there's no other income. So, so this is what we we're getting at. And, and sure, the purists maybe would like it all to be, you know, old school and stay the same and what have you. But, but the reality is that clubs are massively in debt. Um, stadiums are crumbling down. Quality's dipped, and they've got to have money somewhere to, to improve it. Absolutely. Now, some of these issues are covered in our listeners' questions this week. So, rather than play more music, I'm just going to read them out now. We've only had a few. They're only from uh, two people who've asked us a total of five questions but they are good ones inquisitive so I like them La Cucaracha who I think is new to us this week welcome um, asks first of all is this the most balanced championship in history I think it is 
And if I'm right, does it have anything to do with the policy of banning visiting supporters? First of all, is it? Well, in terms of of the of the quality in of terms the, of competitiveness yeah, and how many yes. sides can win it, I think as we mentioned earlier, we've got thirteen teams within four points. I'm whistling yes. at the end of my essence there. We've got thirteen teams within uh, four points yes. of each other at the top top of the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we've got uh, just to run them really really quickly. We've got Colonia Estudiantes both on fifteen, San Lorenzo all on their own on fourteen, on thirteen Velo San Manus. On 12, we've got Newell's, Godoy Cruz, Rafaela, and All Boys. Bloody hell, did that come from All Boys in the title race? Um, and then on 11, Boca, Belgrano, Olimpo, River Plate. Yes. It sounds like yes. It's very even, isn't it? Bearing in mind that by the end of the next round, we'll have played more than half of the championship as well. Um, I think we did see this coming, though, really. I mean, considering the first half of the season, of course, equally, and then now we factor in the Libertadores. Does it have anything to do with the ban on away supporters? Which is a contentious issue, as we've discussed a few times already this season. I think definitely they shouldn't uh, let uh, away crowd to, to go to the stadiums. In, 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 if, the, if things continue like they are, like, like, like they are now, uh, for instance, Kilmes, uh, I think uh, there was a... But it's not the problem, though. It's still a problem, exactly. Yes. This is it. I mean, Kilmes were all killing each other, and there are no away fans. It's got nothing to do with the away fans. In terms of the violence, yeah. whether or not it, it helps, I mean, obviously Newells would probably say that yes, uh, not having any away fans hurts them because very strong at home, poor away. I, I don't know how much it, in terms of levelling things out. I don't know how much. I really don't know the answer. But but in terms of the violence, it hasn't changed anything because yeah. the, the the problems aren't, aren't between the two clubs anymore. It's, it's all yeah. internal. It makes things easier and cheaper security-wise, and it means, of but course, that's not true either. Because at the sorry, but because of the La Plata um, Clasico, there were nearly a thousand police officers. This all started when Scioli, the governor of the province, provin- uh, Buenos Aires province, said that he didn't want to have to allocate a thousand police officers every weekend to football games. They're still doing it, and there aren't any away fans. So nothing's in that respect. Nothing's changed. There aren't fewer police. It's not easier, and there are still problems. The the Gimnasia Barra went into to have it to, to fight with the, the players um, stabbing each other I mean come on and, and, and Donofrio the River Plate president said the other day something which was said several times which is I know Barras but they are socios and they are in the, inside the club and if, the, if I don't see them doing something uh, uh, committing a crime or with a gun yeah. I can prove that they are uh, that that the they should uh, yeah. p- police uh, p- police or, or well governments governments should do something about that but as government it's good with them it's, a, it's at ease with them they and what have we got we have a government that via the AFA is going to be sending a bunch of them to the World Cup just as they sent the last they, ones to the World Cup and allowed South Africa to deport the, them back to Argentina AFA is recommending people which has pending a uh, 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 causes, I think. Well, uh, they are there. They ha- they are. Uh, they have charges mm. to what to do in, in that case. So they are they are recommending the, the people that are uh, well sus- suspected. In fairness, if I was in legal trouble and was going to take it from anybody, it would be uh, take advice from anyone. It would be Julio Grandona's lawyer because he must be astonishing. Um, but more you to, have to the you point, you have to edit that. <laughs> 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 
More to the point, to the last knuckle crunches. Um, I'm tweeting a disclaimer tomorrow. <laughs> is the lack of visiting fans affecting the parity of the league championship race? I'm not sure that it is. But the statistics in was it in the tournament? During the tournament in ECR, there were really, really uh, much higher number than usual of home victories yeah. and a very small number of away wins. But that's evened out quite a bit so far in the Dunno final. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure that it is that. I think t- teams seem to be dropping points. But with the exception of Newell's, who, as we've mentioned, have got a massive disparity between home and away form since they've discovered how to win again. Um, with the exception of them, there's not really any kind of notable gap between the, this team winning all their away matches, uh, sorry, winning all their home matches but losing all the away ones or anything. So I'm not sure I agree that, that visiting times have much to do I, with it. I agree that, that people, that uh, uh, visitors give colour to the, to, the, to the matches, but I don't think a player makes a mistake because they are... the They, they don't. They don't think. Oh, there is not people shouting for me and that that stuff. They are. They make mistakes because they they are not concentrated and not because of the people mm. that is in the, in the they are in the tribune. So I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that the away away crowd will make teams that play away to to play better. I don't think so. Um, next question also from La Cucaracha has Milton Casco elevated his play to become one of the more versatile players for Newell's and also on a similar note is Emiliano Insua essential for Carlos Bianchi's scheme at Boca Casco I've heard a few talks about him going to the national team as we mentioned a week or two ago slightly ridiculously after he scored a goal wouldn't you think of all I mean, that's not why he's going to be called up for the Argentine national team if he is. No, but he's been really so, impressive, hasn't he? Last, last year and a half, really. I mean, he's, yeah, he's been excellent. I'm surprised he hasn't moved, to be honest. And in fact, this ties in with something that Paolo Goltz said yesterday. Nice. Um, because they're both defenders. Um, Goltz possibly uh, ensured that he's not going to be getting any call-ups from Alejandro Savella while Savella's in charge by saying Savella prefers defenders who are playing at a worse level but in a foreign league. He says, loads of people tell me I'm good enough for Argentina, so why haven't I had a call-up, basically. Um, There's quite a few people who are unhappy, though, and Fazio at Sevilla uh, are exactly the same. Uh, yeah, probably discussed this before, sorry. But, um, but in Tontes, it's, um, it's an extra, extra per- another person saying mm. the same thing. I mean, it is a surprise because it is the position where, where Argentina... Weakest, right? The way they yeah. don't have enough uh, opt other options, but um, yeah, not exactly playing himself in. Casco Ka- surely has a great chance because left back is precisely the position he can play left or right back, and yeah. it's precisely the position that, that they need someone in. Um, particularly since Pablo Sabaleta, as we mentioned before, can also play left back or right back, um, but not both in one match. So it'll be useful, surely. Well, yeah, he's not going to get running out now, as we already know. But yeah, I was going to say he's probably lost his. Any hope of getting the World Cup score? And uh, in Sua for Boca, is he essential for Bianchi's scheme? I think that sort of that question relies on Bianchi having a scheme. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a scheme. Oh. And then uh, I, the, the other day, Nawal started play, and he didn't he didn't play that bad. Mm. So I don't think uh, I don't think Sua is their player or something unconditional for 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 Bianchi. I don't I don't see him. I'm not being completely stupid, by the way. My Emiliano in Sua is the fullback, isn't he? Um, yeah. one, th- one thing that's always been essential to Carlos Bianchi's um, tactics is that the fullbacks provide the width because he's tended to play with a fairly narrow midfield with the Enganche in front of them so a three-man midfield with, with 
Riquelme, basically, between the midfield and the strikers, which relies on the fullbacks to provide the width. So to that extent, yes, uh, the, the answer to the question is yes, but uh, Bianchi's uh, match plan at the moment struck me. I'm not sure really why it only came to me during the Argentinos game, um, but it kind of seemed like Boca were just trying to win as many free kicks as they could and then let Riquelme take them all, or corners or possibly a penalty, that would be brilliant. But ideally, just stuff in and around the box so that Riquelme can put a delivery in. Possibly because Riquelme hasn't got the knees to do anything else apart from take a free kick anymore. Um, but it was sort of to the nth degree in the, 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 that they took it. I don't know whether anybody else can see anything more cohesive in what they were trying to do. But no, there is no cohesion <laughs> to see, to be honest. We will see every time more, more uh, 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 this that that Riquelme being important to to uh, shoot, shoot shoot free kicks and, and corners and not putting that balls that he used to put for the for the left or right back in order to to to, to get the cross and uh, because well it, it was shown that he physically he's not uh, he he can't uh, stand the ninety minutes. And, so yes, I think it will be more important uh, for free kicks and corners than, than any other aspect of the game. The other thing, talking about the fullback aspect, is is, is that um, uh, Boca's fullbacks at the moment show some promise, but they're certainly not Clemente Rodriguez at his peak when him and Riquelme were linking up down the left constantly. So that's an issue. Yeah. Um, for them. Uh, La Cucaracha's final question is Is Diego Perotti a huge boost for Boca? Boost? He's not been so far. I'm assuming he means boost. He's just put bust, but I'm trying to be. No, I thought he might be like a like a negative thing, like have they gone bust by. Well, oh, yeah, that, could make, that would make yeah, sense. Yeah, Has he been good or bad? I think more, more bad, but he's been injured more often than not. Yeah. So that that was the big complaint, wasn't it? That he arrived injured. They, they knew he was injured when they signed him. This yeah. is the main thing. So from that point of view, he certainly hasn't been a, a good thing. And to an extent, it's not forgivable if they decide to sign a player they know is unfit anyway. And, and, and also, given that Boca had, what, over 60 injuries as well in the last, last season, short season. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. No, no, last year. Oh, it was oh, last year. Yeah, yeah. Much for much as... Um, point is it's over 60 injuries in you know in the space of very short space of time so to buy then to, if you're going to bring in a new player who's injured as well it's five a month it's more than one a week yeah you, you know it's, it's, it's not good it's not good yeah. did they buy yeah. him or did they loan him he's on loan isn't he for a year until the middle of next European season isn't it is that right so yeah I, th- I think so I mean I can't imagine they only loaned him for six months knowing he was already going to be out for one anyway anyway um, but not the best place to rehabilitate an injured player. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the worst. No, it's not exactly sending him to Milanello, is it? Um, Connor asks. He's back. He's got two questions for us. The first, I really like these ones. Um, have Benfica and Porto replaced River Plate and Boca in that stage in inverted commas of player development? Nice. Where, where players used to go from, let's say, no offence to any of the clubs about to be mentioned, but let's say Banfield or Newells or um, Godoy Cruz or Olimpo or whatever, to River and Boca before getting sold onto Europe. Over the last decade, decade and a half, we've increasingly seen players go in two leagues like Portugal or the Netherlands before going on to bigger European clubs. Um, 
I think there's definitely an argument to say they have. Well, guys. in terms of the numbers, definitely. Benfica buy in just so many players. But I would say that they're not the only clubs. I mean, Udinese do an awful lot as well. Mm. There are a few other clubs out there doing it. But, but yeah, it's definitely a good call, I think, between the two of them. Catania they, also. And Catania, yeah, that's a good call too. Either. But I mean, definitely. I mean, the numbers, the numbers are ridiculous. I mean, we talk about thirty players, aren't we? Sort of every. every it's, we, we've we've talked a lot of times about how um, River and Boca have been affected by the fact that this trade has now happened because of European clubs getting wiser to the fact that by scouting the Argentine Primera more widely, they can get, let's say, James Rodriguez from Banfield at a much cheaper price than they'd be buying him for a year later if he'd gone to River Plate first. Um, so from that point of view. It's yeah, a, Lucho Gonzalez was looking at what we've touched on. Lucho Gonzalez times. was pretty much the last player to kind of move from a inverted commas smaller club in Argentina to River, in this case, stay for quite a while, and then before before leaving. Not who was the smaller club? Then? All again. Okay. He, but he stayed at River I did, for ages. I, yeah, I was trying to remember. Cause yeah, I but he was. Way, but so. he he he's the last player to sort of. Certainly, at River Plate, they say he's, he's the last player that they bought from the market, local yeah. market. Stayed for a while, and they end up doing a good piece of business with him. He played very well for them, and they they sold him at a good price. Yeah. The fact is that doesn't happen anymore, though. As uh, as, uh, as most most players say, when they put the cassette, their cassette on, is that is that football is is quite even, which is real. Football is even is, is even, and that uh, make European clubs. Uh, buy uh, or, or, or uh, sign a player from Argentina that who hadn't uh, already played for River or Boca. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary now. So, uh, uh, sometime before it was necessary to prove a player that a player is capable of playing good but, well in Europe. But what, Andres? What do you think is the case? Do you think that? Do you think it's not necessary for clubs to to, to wait until the move to the big club? before buying because football's more even or do you think that the league being more even is the reason that it's not necessary for the European clubs to wait until they've gone to River or Boca I think that they know that they, if there is a player playing in National B and, and he's good enough to and, and he because Paulo Dybala for instance yes he's I don't uh, think well, okay, he's, he's now in Serie B with Franco Vasquez <laughs> He was uh, who was playing for Belgrano. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Uh, well, he, I, I, he's in Serie B, and I, I don't know how he's doing. But uh, a player that like Dybala, in, 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 when he was at Instituto, uh, plays well, in, and, and he's good enough to to uh, be different to the other players in National B or or a small club from the first division. It's enough for them to. To, to think that they will do good also in for example Italy like 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 we have already said Inter Catania uh, I don't know Verona for example has Iturbe who played for River and Sevillano played for mm-hmm. River I am Iturbe is the one who is doing something different and and, and big clubs are, are struggling for him but then this and Iturbe was signed almost without yes. I mean when he first moved to Europe. It, it, he barely played anywhere, you know. I mean, he, he, was, he was playing in Paraguay, but not. It wasn't like he had a hundred matches under his belt, and he was training with Kilness because he wasn't allowed to stay in Paraguay anymore. And he wasn't really playing first team football for anyone before he went to Porto, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And then got the, 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 to River. The other thing that European clubs can do is that to to loan a player to a, to a, an Argentinian club for six months, a short period of time, 
not to lose uh, any money and then uh, for the contrary to to uh, uh, value him with a, a, a bigger price a, a more expensive and then uh, be able to even uh, either uh, use it as, a, as an active player or or uh, uh, give it on a loan uh, again to a, a bigger club in yeah. Europe for example like Porto did with, uh, with Turbe as you said one thing that is impossible to separate from this argument, of course, and we've already hinted at it with, with Joel's rant about the Super Classico going abroad, is the economy. Because this might have started a decade and a half ago, let's say, but it's undoubtedly um, has increased a hell of a lot and has affected River and Boca far more in the last 10 years, 11, 12 years, i.e., since the crisis in 2001. The, the, for the benefit of our younger listeners or the less internationally aware ones, uh, the crisis happened in December 2001 and was when the Argentine peso got deeper from the dollar and crashed and since then that well, made pretty, it almost coincides with you know well okay like a season and a half two years three years after that almost coincides with the end of River and Boca's dominance for the which was the biggest decades. the biggest sell that a player from River uh, to, a, to an European club for example Falcao to Porto and then I think that it was Ocampos Monaco to Monaco and the uh, uh, in the last decade yes yeah, Iguain Iguain no last years I think from not 2010 to oh yeah, yeah uh, no, Falcao surely to, well no no Falcao, Falcao, Falcao was very little yeah Falcao was 4.5 5 million dollars then then it was like uh, well no, no no any more players sold uh, at least for more than 3 or 4 million dollars yeah. yeah as opposed to what yeah. Saviola for instance who went to Barca in 2001 for 12 or 13 million or something like that yeah. Um, Gago and, and um, Banega they were like 20, 20 million 20, 25 yeah. million Mascherano to Corinthians for 15 and so on uh, and of course Tevez to Corinthians for 27 something like that anyway um, Benfica Porto have replaced River and Boca in that stage of player development in a way yes mm-hmm. that's our answer Connor finally asks this is the last question of the evening and it's another one that I like we all know who the big five are just for the benefit of anyone who's listening for the first time and doesn't River Plate Boca Juniors Racing San Lorenzo and Independiente although in the cases of certainly Racing at San Lorenzo they're doing their best at the moment to pretend that they're not um, he, he says would you nominate who would you nominate for the right below the big five five Bellas Bellas have got to be surely yeah, so the whole st- structure and the yeah. consistency of their challenges recently and the way the club's set up. Historically, the, this has been like the fifth Beatle question, isn't it? Yes. Uh, historically, it's sort of can. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Historically, though, but, but, historically, the argument but, but, the sixth has been between Orakan and Vélez. So but but, but Vélez isn't historically. Vélez is much more recently. It's basically from the 90s. Uh, a, but if you talk about one uh, one thing is if you talk about this, the 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 football and one different thing is about the people the crowd mm. because about the crowd as he said is huracan and, and and if you talk about the the matches the competitions is Vélez uh, undoubtedly. So let's let's if try. It's still it's support, all, we're, talk, we're talking about five clubs, but what, yeah. what I mean to say was that um, Seba years ago sent me something um, which was a clipping from El Grafico in about the 30s when the whole Big Five debate was first uh, brought up and, and when the sixth grande um, was being discussed of Venezuela and Oracan arguing among themselves about who should be it so it's 
I mean, you're right. Mm. The reason we, the Valets are the first name that come to mind now, is recent, but even at the time, yeah. um, they, they were big. But certainly Valets and Notre Dame, I think we both have to say, have, have got to be in yeah. this group of five. Central, Central, in terms of numbers, Central okay. are, I think, Central have more than San Lorenzo. We surely can't have Central without New Orleans coming. Well, I'd, I'd agree with that. And then yeah. have we only got room for one of the La Plata sides, or are we going for a Buenos Aires team again? No, it's got to be Stilian. I was going to say. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, Libertadores, I mean, come on. Yeah, that would three, be my Three time. Copa Libertadores. It's got to count for something, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And Lanús is coming in that, in that way. If, if we're talking purely football and purely the last decade, yeah. then we'd be talking, what, Estudiantes, Vélez, Lanús, Newells. Arsenal won the Copa Sudamericana. Arsenal, yes, yes, get in there, Andres. That's controversial. No, but he's right. He's right. Do they not have that? Who else has won more, more than Arsenal in in the last decade? The the answer is no one. It's the he's right. He's right. They've got question. They've got South America. They've got international titles. Yeah, league titles. Copa Sudamericana. Independiente in the last five years exactly and they're already in Copa Sudamericana and the Suruga Bank also yeah yes right I mean if you want the Suruga Bank I mean come on you've got to be in there <laughs> I would stick with our original five and I would say all those are worthy of the, the third five the third tier okay that's personally I, I, I don't we have Arsenal don't do enough for me over time to warrant being in that second group above the likes of the teams we mentioned there's, there's one more question that I have just remembered. It was emailed to me, um, so I'm going to read it now. It's from Razvan Ifrim, who asks... You guys really should have scored one. Oh, we've actually answered it already. Um, he, he, he was asking about the potential River Boca Miami friendly. In oh. So there you go, Razvan. It looks like it might uh, it won't be in Miami. Um, but yes, just Cancun. Cancun, Cancun, yes. No, 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 I'm saying that he's he's heard about it happening possibly in my house. Oh, he sent me this email like a week ago and I told him to write back to me today, which he has done. Um, so there you go, we've answered that one already. So we hope that we answered it to your satisfaction earlier as well. Um, and now it's time, it's that time again, whilst Independiente and Luisa San Carlos with 23 minutes to go are still drawing goalless. It's time to give you Mystic Sam's predictions for the week to come. Okay, lots of draws coming up this weekend. Um, first of all, I think Olimpo versus Atletico de Rafaela is going to be a draw, as is Colón versus Tigre, because it involves Tigre. Argentinos Juniors against Newell's Old Boys. How many matches is it since Newell's last one away from home? Bearing in mind they had that really long win without any any kind of win home or away before they... I, this isn't a rhetorical question, but I don't know the answer. Um, it must be eight or nine minimum. Anyway, I'm going to say Newell's to beat Argentinos Juniors, given how crap Argentinos Juniors are at the moment. Um, Vélez Sarsfield against Estudiantes de la Plata. I've left that prediction off. No, I've not. It's going to be a draw. Rosario Central against All Boys. It's going to be a draw. Uh, Central have won one in five, and All Boys slightly bizarrely have lost in five. 
which seems a bit weird given that we've been talking about how crap they are, isn't it? Um, but since Central have home advantage, I'm going to go for a draw in that one. Racing versus Belgrano is a, just can't possibly be anything but a Belgrano win, can it? Um, Gimnasia versus San Lorenzo I think is going to be a draw given that San Lorenzo have got Copa Libertadores later tonight no tomorrow tomorrow, tomorrow evening so they're only going to have a couple of days to prepare for that one um, Godoy Cruz against Arsenal de Sarandí I think is going to be a Godoy Cruz victory River Plate against Lanús I've refused to predict until Lanús have played in the Libertadores on Thursday because they could be out of the Libertadores by the time this game is played and if they are I think they'll take this game much 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 more seriously than they will do if they're still in with a shout of qualifying but since I've got to say something for Mystic Sal uh, I shall say I'll say draw for that one uh, Quilmes versus Boca Juniors the last match of the weekend Boca victory Boca have got an infinite capacity to fuck that match up but really they ought to win it quite easily, by which I mean by a goal. Um, does anybody really strongly disagree with any of those, or really strongly agree? How, how many draws were there? Lots. <laughs> yes, I, several. Yeah. This this tournament I can't agree or disagree. Yeah. Uh, you can say home my way or draw, and it's the same. It's good. You know I would never disagree with any of your predictions, Sam. So. But in this tournament specifically, it's unpredictable in soccer, so the matches. So, Mystic Sun predictions is sounds, sounds itself very strange because Argentinian <laughs> football is unpredictable. Exactly, yeah. The only thing you can predict regularly is that Tigre will draw 0 0 and Racing will lose. That's about it. Um, I think that's it. I think we've covered everything, haven't we? Have we? Yeah, we didn't really talk about the Libertadores. Oh, just a very, very quick... Yeah, you're right, actually, right. Libertadores, after last week, things didn't really go as we expected. Lanús, mm-hmm. as I say, could be out by the time they play River this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, they've only got one point still. What else happened? San Lorenzo threw those points away. Arsenal had a 1-0 win against Peñarol, which sounds in a very good stead. And I've currently... Have you got a previous channel button on this? No, but I think it's on like 16 or 17 right now. I think San Lorenzo must win to get Botafogo. Right? Yeah. I think with the four seven points and San Lorenzo has four. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and Arsenal are currently leading Peñarol 1-0 away in Montevideo. One of the um, other grandes. So they are in very, very good um, I think that, that basically puts them through because I think in their group yeah. it's just them and Santos Laguna. No, yes. They've just basically won every game. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vélez, as we mentioned, got revenge on the strongest, so they should be all but through. And Newell's play Gremio at home tomorrow night. They scraped an incredibly fortunate 0 0 draw last week. Um, but uh, at home, they're, they're going to, I presume, be slightly better, as we've already mentioned. They're, they're much better at home than away. Um, this will all be out of date. Well, some of it at least will be out of date by the time the next episode is online. Hopefully, this episode will be online a little bit earlier in the day on Thursday than last week's was. There were technical issues whilst I was producing it. Just last thing before we go, because I completely forgot about it earlier, uh, there have been discussions, there have been rumours about Gerardo Martino leaving Barcelona at the end of this season and being offered after the World Cup the national team job. We've got to mention it, I can already see Joel sighing deeply. So, Joel, why are you sighing so deeply? Is this the Diario Ass story from Spain? I saw it in La Nación the day before. But right, yeah, well, they lifted it from Diario Ass. So, this story uh, has the headline saying that AFA will 
offer Tata Martino. Definitely. Nailed for on. Future, Even if future tense wins the World will Cup. Will offer Tata Martino the job after the World Cup. First paragraph saying they'll offer it to Tata Martino or to Diego Simeone. Okay, that's not quite so, the same thing. Yeah, not, not the same thing as, as the headline suggests. Um, I mean, if Sabella wins, what, they're going to get rid of him? Is Sabella going to leave? Match five, no. Just a week when... I, I, I heard Grondona putting pressure for Tevez. Again, and oh, I think that that will be a point with, that will... I, I don't know, if, if he obeys, perhaps he... That, wasn't, that will, won't be for sure, but it, if he... Continuous saying, I won't uh, talk about the place that I haven't called up and that stuff. I well, that is that's different. I think if, the, if, the thing I'm saying now, if, if Tevez ends up going to the World Cup, other than as a spectator, and since he's already said he's not going to watch any of the matches, I doubt that will happen. If he ends up going to the World Cup as a player, there will be no hand of pot next season. Mm. If Sabella bows to Grondona. And then I, I see. I see no hope for Argentine football's future until Rondon has gone. What about in the event of a um, a, a serious injury to Messi? Messi? No, probably still at work. He's been constantly injured. No, but even just, if that happens, I just think, like we said last week, now with with the, the options and, and how well they've been playing and how if, Messi's been playing. If Messi gets injured, he'll be replaced by Enzo Perez, and everyone will be happy. Um, the other thing is with this story is that um, Martino has had an uphill struggle since arriving in, in Barcelona. Mm. And this is why I was, I was asking where the information came from because as I understand it, um, a lot of people wanted um, other candidates to get the job. Not happy with him, despite the fact that Martino broke a, a club record and league record for the amount of straight wins at the start of the season. Um, he had the press against him from the very start, so... You know this uh, this story. I just, I just wonder exactly how much there is behind it. That's all. I'd agree. Um, I, I felt it would be remiss of us not to mention it at least, however, because I'm sure that at least some of our listeners are interested in it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I broadly agree. And of course, don't worry um, if uh, Martino is the Argentina manager come the start of next season. There will still be hand and pot. We wouldn't actually get And to be honest, I quite enjoy watching Argentina in those circumstances as well, as I currently do with Sabana. But still, um, for this week, I believe that's everything that we needed to cover. So thank you very much to Andres. Goodbye. Thank you to Peter. Thank you, goodbye. Thank you to Joel. We'll see you again in six to eight months' time. Probably, but thank you and goodbye. Um, and thank you and goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>